uh, if I haven't welcomed you and you're a visitor, can I just say you're really, really welcome. I hope you've enjoyed this morning and I hope you can stay around for a cup of tea and coffee afterwards. Um, we've got some notices now and I've got a whole bunch of notices. So, um, uh, Malk, do you want to start? Good morning. Um, if, if you're a visitor um, and you'd like to know a bit more about the church, over the last couple of weeks, Adam has been speaking about the vision for the church this coming year. And one of the aspects of that was, um, was doing church bigger and better, but also loving and caring people bigger and better. And as the church grows, so the need to increase our capacity to love and care bigger grows. So on your seats, there is a little um, questionnaire, a form. Uh, if you haven't got a pen, there's some pens over by the information um, centre over in that corner with a box. If you could have a look at that and maybe don't even feel forced to tick a box today. Go away, think about it, pray about it, ask the Lord, what can I do to help care and love Peter be- people better? Peter, where did he come from? love people better that would be fantastic and um, we are already aware that most of you just have a great capacity to love and care you do amazing things we hear little snippets of stuff that people just do quietly but if you're thinking that um, God is calling you to the church or and you're already a member and you you want to Respond to that call to love and care bigger and better. Give some thought to this. Put your names down. Tick the boxes that you feel appropriate to you and stick them in that box, which is going to be there for the next two or three weeks. Secondly, sorry, at the last God is good this Tuesday. And he is good. Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> right. Saturday, Saturday the 10th of February, something's happening. What is happening at 5 o'clock on Saturday the 10th of February? Tea is happening, yes, yes. And we're bringing Ian into eldership. Fantastic. Can I ask you, please, to put your name down? Now, Jane, where are you? I'm looking for you. Uh, where did... Where did Right, okay, so there's a sign-up form on the... Just We need to know in terms of numbers, basically, to how many to, uh, to cater for. And uh, it'd be great if you could sign up if you're going to come. And I really encourage you. It's a family event, really, for us, isn't it? When a, a, somebody new comes into eldership, it's just I encourage you, please come along. That would be absolutely wonderful. I also wanted to flag up on the 24th of February, we have our next ladies' brunch. And Kim Harris is speaking. On the storms of life. Oh, Yes, there we go. Anyway, it's going to be really good. And if you've ever heard Kim speak, you'll know there's a real mixture of absolute hilarity at times. You hold your sides with laughter. No pressure here, Kim. Um, and uh, other times it's, it's full of lots of well, rich life experience. So I, I would really recommend that. If you're a lady signing up for that, that would be great. You can do that now online. So if you'd like to book up online, that would be great. Sharon?
very, very quickly. Um, tonight, while youth is going on in here, um, any parent or anybody, literally anybody, if you want to watch The Shack, I'm going to be in the other room with my feet up watching The Shack. If you want to join me, you are very welcome. If there are too many of you come, we'll go downstairs. But that's that one. Um, so 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock tonight, and it um, will be done by 9. So um, brilliant. Um, Tuesday Cafe, any, anybody's involved with the Tuesday Cafe and um, or would like to be involved in the Tuesday Cafe, if you could bring sandwiches after um, the, the morning on Tuesday and we'll just stay and have lunch together and we'll just chat for you through a few things. That's brilliant. And also the Bountiful Conference next Saturday, ladies, um, they've got over 200, isn't it? Over 200 ladies coming um, and tickets are still going, I think. I'm looking at Sasha because she's on the committee team. Um, it just, the excitement is mounting. It's just unbelievable. And so I'd hate any of you to miss out. So come and see me afterwards. And if anybody owes you money, um, come and see me afterwards. Uh, owes me money. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, good morning. My name is Jeeves. Um, I'm one of the youth leaders at the church, and we've got two massive announcements in terms of youth. Uh, on the 6th to 8th of April, uh, we've got a youth weekend away, uh, which is incredibly exciting. We have found that every single year that we've done it, we've done it for the last two years, um, lives have been changed. Uh, we have seen three people come to Christ through them. We have seen two people meet with God and be baptized in the Spirit for the first time at them. We have seen youth time and time again just continue to be encouraged. It is a needed weekend to get there for your youth. Uh, if you have youth that don't know Christ, this is for them as well. Don't think that just because it's a church weekend away for the youth, it's not for them. This is a place where actually we can sow seeds of faith and share the gospel to youth. So I recommend if you want to know more about it, come see me, come see my wife. Uh, that's Catherine, my wife. Um, so come see us about it. If you, We've got limited spaces. We've only got 30 spaces, so it's kind of first come, first serve. So please, parents of youth, sign your youth up now. Otherwise, they won't be able to come. Uh, the other thing that we've got that anyone can come to if you're youth um, is New Day. Uh, and New Day is once again like this kind of church festival, youth festival uh, on the 30th of July to the 5th of August up in Norfolk. Uh, and once again, like lives upon lives upon lives have been changed. My life was changed at New Day. The reason why I'm more alive, in love with Christ now, the reason why I can stand here and lead a little bit is because of how I grew up in New Day. Because of times of just meeting with Christ. Lives change radically. If you think about it, if someone comes to Christ, that's a life change forever. So this is a needed week away. And we are happy. We've got three free spaces for New Day. Um, so if, they, if, you don't, if you know any youth who don't know Christ, they can have that. We as a church are willing to help pay people to go to New Day. This is a needed weekend. My prayer is for 45. My prayers for 45 youth to join us. So you can do two things. You can either invite, which is needed, or you can pray for that number with me. Let's take faith seriously. Let's pray that we actually see 45 youth come from this church and their lives be radically changed in that week away. Brilliant. Well done, brilliant. Let's welcome Ian. Okay, good morning everyone. So good to see you all here this morning. Um, hasn't Adam done well over the last few weeks with the vision and mission? 
and you've all come back, so that must mean that you quite like it. So I was wondering if it might just be me, Adam and Malcolm this morning, but actually, no, you've come back, so that's really good. Um, I'm really encouraged, and I'm sure Adam is as well. Now, um, just had quite a week this week, really. We've, had, uh, we've exchanged contracts on our house. Really excited about that. It's definite. We're not going anywhere. We're staying, which Adam's quite relieved about because we're coming into eldership as well. So that's, that's quite a relief. We're not... Pardon? Yes, it would have been a bit awkward, wouldn't it? But, but God has just been good. That's been a real battle for us as well. We've tried to buy many houses. But God has been good through all of it. But we found the house. I won't tell you where it is because you're not welcome. But no, <coughs> um, I'm joking. You are very welcome. You are very welcome. But this house, we want to see God's kingdom come. We want to use this as a resource for the kingdom of God. We want to see his kingdom come. Because this house isn't our home, for our permanent home, because our home is with him forever in eternity. And God has really been speaking to me and reminding me this week about where he brought me from. How he pulled my life out of the pit. And he's just really been encountering me over and over again this week about what he's done in my life. He just reminded me this week about how I was an enemy of God. It says in Romans 5.10 that we were enemies of God. All of mankind turned its back on God. All of mankind. But... God came and died on the cross, even though I was an enemy of God. I, rem- I was reminded of this week, I met with um, my girlfriend, who is now my lovely wife, who helped me come to Christ. I always said, it's a powerful combination of Gemma Lettington and the Holy Spirit brought me to Christ. Um, I went to meet her when she was at, uh, at university in Nottingham, and we were in, right in the centre of Nottingham city centre, and we were having a a bit of a Barney, I'll be honest. And I remember just blaspheming right in the middle of Nottingham City Centre. And I said, Jesus! And she gave me that look. Now, if you know my wife, <laughs> there's a look that she gives. And you know the look that I'm talking about. And I thought, oh, she doesn't like that. She, she takes that name seriously. And we need to take that name seriously. And then I realised this week that I was a wanted man. I was wanted. I was wanted by the authorities. I was wanted by creditors. I was wanted by bad men who I owed money to. But above all else, above all of that, he, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, wanted me. And he's wiped the slate clean. But I was an enemy of him. But that didn't matter to him because he sent his son. I was, Kate was so right that his love and his mercy is never ending for us. His mercy for me was never ending. He saw me in that pit and he plucked me out. He plucked me out. He saw me. I was sinking and sinking. I was not up to my knees, not up to my waist. I was up to here. I was so deep in sin. But he pulled me out. He could just about grab the top of my hair, which was quite long in those days. I thought it was cool. I've seen the pictures. I can confirm it was not cool. (laughs) It was quite uncool. And Gemma likes to remind me of that on a regular basis. But he pulled me out. 
He pulled me out. And do you know what? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, there is no hole too deep that his long arm of grace cannot reach down and pull you out. And there's nothing you have to do. That's the amazing thing. We were talking about this at Alpha this week. There's nothing that you have to do. And there's nothing you can do. Because he's done it all. All other religions, all other ways of life say you have to earn this. You have to do this. Earn your way. Work your way towards it. But Jesus says, come to me. I've done it. I've paid the price. I hung on the cross so that you can come. So that we can have relationship with the almighty God. All of you here this morning were created to have a relationship with the living God. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. He saw me lost in my sin, wanted by the authorities, by creditors, by bad men. But he said, no, I want him. I want him. Do you know, I could not do what I do today. I could not be speaking up here today if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God in my life. When Jem and I first met, we were, I was not like this. I was not like this. But the mercy of God and the grace of God, somehow Gemma saw something in me. I mean, sure, I still had, you know, good looks and charm, but <laughs> I didn't have a lot going for me. I had a bad haircut as well, as I've already mentioned. But she saw something in me and God got my attention. Isn't that amazing that he, and whether you were brought up in a Christian home or not, it is no less amazing that you are saved by his grace and his mercy because you and I were destined for the same place. You had still, you were still separate from God. And we now can know him and be with him for eternity. That I no longer fear the grave because I know where my eternal home is. My temporary home will be in Kemsing, but my permanent home is with him. You are welcome, by the way. Just by, pre- by prior appointment, that's all. Um, and I was also... Uh, we've been hearing a lot, actually, in the, if you've been in prayer meetings recently, we've been praying and a lot of people have been mentioning, I've been praying as well, about a year of breakthrough. And this gospel that saved me and plucked me out of that, that pit of sin is going forth this year like it's never going to go forth before in Seven Oaks. I believe that. And I, I remember about 18 months ago, I came. I wasn't part of the church and I came to speak. And um, I asked us to pray for the empty chairs. And God has been filling those empty chairs from that moment, praise God. But I feel we need to do it again. We've got more chairs out and we need to do it again. We want to see breakthrough. We want to do church bigger, love bigger. Then I feel like we need to keep pressing in for that. Now, Adam will tell you this. I don't like weird. I don't do weird. But, so this is a bit weird. So can I ask you just to pray now for the chair an empty chair, if you can find an empty chair, because I believe that the gospel is going to go forth this year 
and that these empty chairs will be filled with people that currently now don't know Jesus. If you're sitting next to somebody either side of you, then, you know, just, just imagine an empty chair. I'm sure you can do that. Can you, can you imagine an empty chair? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we believe in you. We believe that the gospel is the power of God to save people for eternity. Lord, will you come? Lord, we pray for these empty chairs to be filled with people that don't know you. Lord, will you bring to us men and women of peace that you've prepared in advance. We pray for gospel fruit this year, corporately and individually. Lord, will you come? Lord, I pray, let this be the year of breakthrough. Lord, I thank you for the salvation that we saw last year. But Lord, we pray for more. Pray will you double it. Lord, will you double it? Lord, we pray for these empty chairs to be filled with saved souls this year. We pray for many baptisms this year, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. We need bigger hearts, as Adam has been talking about, to love the lost, to love those around us. We've been so accepted into his kingdom. To focus on others, to grow to maturity in Christ requires that bigger heart. To be a generous person. And to be a generous person, a good test of that, a good spiritual health check is how we feel about our money and our finances. And we're just going to look at that this morning about in the area of giving and being a generous person. We don't actually speak a lot about giving and money here, although Jesus did. We're called to live, give our lives over, to die to self, give everything to him. I was reading just through some of the Gospels last night. Actually, Jesus, when people came to him, he didn't just try to win them over saying, come to me, you're going to have a great life. This is going to be really good. Come. He said, let the dead bury their dead. The, young, the rich young ruler just went away sad because he said, I've lived a really good life. I've got to do this. He said, well, sell everything. He said, if you don't hate those who don't hate their mother and father and brother compared to what they're living for me, he's not actually telling you to hate your brother and mother and father, but in comparison to how we are and how we feel about Jesus, that's how it should be. That's not exactly winsome. You can imagine the disciples going, oh, um, Jesus, could, can you just tone it down a bit? We kind of want to win a few more. No, this is a tough life and we're called to die to self and this is a good spiritual health check about how we feel about money so if you could turn in your bibles to 2 corinthians 9 we're going to go from verse 6 Just before we go into this, before we dig in, I'm going to say this, I'm going to repeat it again later, that you will never grow to maturity, spiritual maturity 
until you lay the way you feel about money at the foot of the cross of Christ. You will never grow to maturity in Christ until you lay the way you feel about money at the foot of the cross of Christ. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9, from verse 6. Now, just before this, Paul uh, is writing to the church and he's um, talking about a gift that's being prepared for uh, the people of Macedonia and just saying, make sure it's ready, don't embarrass me. Um, He's asking it to be arranged in advance, but he's also kind of getting to the point about giving as well. So he says this, from verse 6, The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way for your generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgiving to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ, and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen. See, I, there's lots in that. We're going to get into that. But I really had to die to the way I felt about money when I first became a Christian. Um, I remember, um, I don't even think people was, somebody was talking about giving when I first came in. It was about 14 years ago. Um, and yeah, just before Gemma and I got married, or just as we got married, um, talking about giving, or people were putting money in the basket. And I realized that, you know, it says it in the Bible that we are to give. We are to give into God's work. So I thought, well... I want, I want to do what it says, so I, I put some money in. I thought, this just doesn't make sense to me. This goes against everything that I, I kind of been brought up. I'd been, goes against the grain to just give money away that I'm not going to see a return on. So I put in £200 in cash. There's another thing about me back those, in those days. I had bad hair and I operated in cash a lot. <laughs> Bit of a geezer. Long hair, operated in cash, put it in the baskets. Thought, not going to see that again. <coughs> but I thought, well, it says it. So I put it in. Thought, went home that day, went back to, to my parents' house, and my grandparents were there. And so I put 200 quid in, in cash in the baskets. 
And uh, my grandmother was there, Nanny Pat, and Nanny Pat gave me 250 quid. And I, I thought, oh, that's a good return. <laughs> so next week I put 500. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. No, I didn't. But at that moment, when uh, Nanny Pat put the, gave me the money, she just said, oh, I just feel like we needed to give you this money. I just felt God speak to me. One of the first times I felt God speak to me. I wasn't hearing God a lot in those days. I was just trying to get to know him a bit better. I just felt him say, you'll never outgive me. You'll never outgive me. And do you know what? I've never been able to outgive him. And being generous is not about giving what you've got spare. You know, we can get caught up in the debate of tithing and 10%. And I, I, I tithe. So tithing was an Old Testament thing and a covenant where they gave their 10% or from their first fruits. But actually, if you really dig in, it could be, work out to be more than 10%. But I, lo- I want to give from my first fruits. Proverbs 3 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. Leviticus 23 says, Reap the harvest of the Lord of the Lord God brought you in and bring the sheaf of the first fruits. So I want to honour him with my finances. And if we're asking, do we have to give 10%, we're asking the wrong question. Because we have a benchmark here for our generosity. Verse 6 says he doesn't want us to give begrudgingly. If you're giving begrudgingly, then I, I should... I recommend you stop right now. Verse 7 to 8 says, not under compulsion. So we're not, I don't, we're not trying to give to please. I don't give to God to try and please him or impress him. We don't need to impress God because we've had someone that's impressed him on our behalf already, and that is Jesus. Verse 8. Give out of love and trust for him because he's able to have all that you need and you will abound in every good work. See, our generosity should come for our love for Jesus when we see how generous he was to us. I see how generous he was to me this week over and over. It's so good to remind you yourself of your own salvation. See, the benchmark for our generosity, is the gospel. We did nothing to earn that. Enemies of God. Like I said, I was an enemy of God, but I was purchased at a great price. I came with nothing. We come with nothing. We have nothing to offer, but we leave with everything. The cross is our benchmark for generosity. It's been freely given. Freely we receive. Now freely we must give of ourselves, of our time and our resources. This church building was built through the grace of God and generous people who have a heart for God. Learned a lot actually about the history of people that gave into this, about the generosity of people who gave into this amazing building so grateful for this building coming back 
um, setting up every Sunday in a school hall is tough. Coming back to this building, I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. I'm so grateful for this place. So grateful for the generous people that gave sacrificially thousands and thousands of pounds into this place to be built. I was speaking to some friends of ours um, just the other week, and they, they talked about you know, how we love to hear the stories about receiving unexpected gifts, but we hear less about the stories of people being prompted to give. But we want to be prompted to give as well. So seek him on that as well. Are you excited about what lays ahead in the church? I'm excited about what lays ahead. I'm excited that God's brought me back to Seven Oaks. I'm excited about church growth. Are you excited about we're going to see salvations, lives restored, orphans supported, building extensions, not for our own great kingdom. We, we want to see this building extended and made bigger, not so we've got a nice flash building, so it looks good, but because we want to see his kingdom have a greater influence in Seven Oaks. We want to see this building grow because we want to see his kingdom grow and his kingdom come. Excuse me. We say it's not about numbers. But actually, if you read through the Bible, there's often lists of names, genealogies of people. I say it is about numbers because numbers are people and God cares about people and he wants to see more people saved. So when Adam talks about doing bigger, it's not because he just wants a big church, it's because he wants to see people saved and brought in and added to the kingdom of God. Are you excited about that? Then jump on board because God is moving. Give your time, your resources and your money comes at a cost and whether you're here to stay or not Gemma's fed up with me saying this but there is an upward call of Jesus Christ on your life honor God first whatever decisions you have to make whether you're staying here whether you're moving honor God first look to him first not your financial situation I understand it's difficult to live financially in Seven Oaks. I understand that. I've been trying to buy a house for six months. But he will make it possible. He has a call on your life. I quoted this cheesy quote to a friend of mine the other day. Faith requires risk. Faith is often spelled R-I-S-K. Can you take a risk? See, we've moved to Seven Oaks from Suffolk. Suffolk to Seven Oaks financially does not add up. I don't know if you're aware of house prices and stuff, but it's slightly cheaper to live in Suffolk in Bury St. Edmunds than it is in Seven Oaks. I don't know if that's a shocking revelation for you this morning, but it's quite expensive to live around here. But God, but God, God called us here. When Adam first called me and we talked about it, he said, I feel like God is saying, 
I need to offer you this job. And I, I said, oh, that's nice. Thanks very much. No, I'm quite happy where I am. Thank you very much. I, but then God spoke. And I realized if, through three or four prophetic words, he spoke to me. I probably heard about five or six different ways that God, through God wanting to tell me to come here. I could have said, well, I'm quite happy, God. I've got a nice house, got a good set of friends, churches, you know, I'm really involved in eldership there as well, just really, really happy there, good support network. But actually, it means nothing. It means nothing if that's not where God wanted me to be. Oh, I want you to go to Seven Oaks. But, Lord, I can't afford Seven Oaks prices. But he wants me there, so he made it happen. Put God first in your finances. I remember um, even when we were in Bury St. Edmunds, the day my oldest daughter, Eden, was born, um, I was running my own business. It was in very early days then. Work was very up and down. And I saw a job um, advertised, applied for it, had an interview on the day she was born. I think she was born at... What time was she born in the morning, Jim? 20 to 5... I think I had an interview at about half 10, 11. Turned up for the interview. <laughs> anyway, he offered me, they offered me the job. But the job would have taken me away every other week for the whole week. But it was regular income, and I didn't have regular income. And I th- so I, I thought about it. I prayed about it. I thought, God... I'm not going to be in, in the town that you've called me to every other week. But it's regular income. But I thought, God, you've, this is not what you've called me here for. So I turned it down. But it would made the most financial sense. But I turned it down. See, things can look in the natural, sensible but they can take you away from what God is calling you to. We as Christians are to give ourselves over to God and what he is doing in the world and through his church, through other organisations where poor are being helped and the gospel is being preached. It says in um, verse 12 that you will be, for the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints but also overflows with many thanksgiving to God. So when we give it over, we're helping ministry in the world and also thanksgiving to God. I want to give thanksgiving to God, don't you? I am convinced, I am convinced that 10% is a baseline that I give out of my um, earnings into my local church. That is my, I would call it my tithe and anything above that are offerings that I might give into building offerings or I, we support um, uh, a chi- sponsor a child in Mozambique Malawi <laughs> she knows no not ma- begins with a name no it is Malawi definitely in Africa um, and 10% as I said earlier was an Old Testament covenant but the Old Testament covenant was superseded by Jesus in the New Testament. He talks about murder in the Old Testament. It's superseded in the New Testament by saying you shouldn't even think about that. 
You shouldn't even hate someone in your heart. In the Old Testament, he talks about adultery. In the New Testament, he says you, better, you shouldn't even lust after another woman. See, that's, a, that's our baseline. That's not our ceiling. That's our baseline. And I learned as well, I learned a lot about finances in Berry, actually. Because before we went, we were okay. And that doesn't make sense as well, because we felt God called us there as well, but he put us through stuff that we learned a lot. We learned how to give of our first fruits. Um, I was running my own business and got into a bit of a sticky situation, really, because I thought I wanted to give a, a good lump of money every month. I wanted to get X amount so I could put it in, so it looks like I was giving a good amount. As any of you might know, running a business, you need a good cash flow. And I didn't have a good cash flow because work was very in and, you know, up and down at that time. And then I got into a situation where I wasn't getting that big amount up to give in. So I ended up not giving for like three or four months. And business was bad. And then I had this kind of revelation moment of God, as soon as the money came in, literally whether it was... A hundred pounds, five hundred pounds, two thousand pounds, whatever it was, no, whatever small amount it was, I would give a percentage of that, the ten percent minimum of that amount, as soon as it came in. And do you know what happened? As soon as I started to do that, business started to improve. But it says that, doesn't it? It says, "One who sows sparingly will reap sparingly," and I was sowing sparingly, and I was reaping sparingly. So, giving from your first fruits. God wants your heart. This isn't about money this morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is about God wanting your heart. God wants your heart. This is not about me standing up here as one of the church leaders saying, give to the church. No, this is about God wanting your heart. Because if you can die to self, die to how you feel about, because money gets a grip on our hearts, doesn't it? It makes us feel safe if we've got it. And it makes us panic if we haven't. But if we can learn to trust in him, if we learn that we are stewards of what we have, everything you have comes from where? So he's let you have everything. So what you've got, he's just letting you have for now. So... What, who are we to not hold anything back? And that's because what it's about, it's about your heart. And if we're going out this year to love more people, love bigger, then give your heart over to him. And if you are aware that this life is not all there is, then it should affect our wallets, shouldn't it? And again, I will say, you will never reach maturity in Christ until you lay the way you feel about money at the cross of Christ. Our transactions will show. Where we spend our money will show if we really believe what we say we do. Or whether this life is it and we need to look out for number one. Because we've been saved 
and added into a kingdom that is going to last forever. Christ is coming back for a glorious, glorious church. Do you believe that? So he wants all of you. All of you, not some of you. That's why it's about your heart. And when you consider generosity, consider what he gave. What you came with. What did you have to offer when he came? Nothing. And when you realise that everything comes from him, that you're merely stewards, then you can learn to be happy whether you have much or whether you have little. Praise him. The call to Seven Oaks, as I said, for us wasn't easy, hasn't been without cost. Sure, it comes here with employment, with a salary, but it has cost us financially, it has cost us relationally. But would I do it all over again? Yes, absolutely. Because it's the call of God, upward call of Jesus Christ on our life. And I would do it all over again to see people saved like we've seen over the last year. I would do it all over again to see people like Christine and Faye and and others come through again. I mean, it's not down to me, by the way, but I would do it just to see these people come through because it's worth it. And we can come up with all sorts of excuses about, you know, saving for a house, for a car, for kids. I mean, or wanting to hand money over to our kids when we pass away. I mean, it says about that in, in, in the Bible, I think it's Ecclesiastes. What if your kids are stupid? What if... The... What? Or if their kids are stupid? What if they just, you know, chuck it all away? Throw it down the pan? Or you want to give your kids everything? Well, I just want to make sure they've got every opportunity in life. I want to give them everything. Have you ever been around the kids that have got everything? No one likes those kids. (laughs) I don't like those kids. Mind you, I didn't like my own kids in Ikea yesterday, but um, we won't go into that. Um, So let's focus on him. Give your heart over to him. Because everything we own, everything we have, is the future stuff of charity shops, jumble sales and landfill. What moth and rust will destroy. Store up treasures in heaven. So let's worship him with our money, not worship our money. Let's bring him glory. I ask you to stand and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we, we just want to say we're so grateful for your generosity towards us. We're so grateful for your mercy and grace that we came with nothing. We have nothing to offer, but we leave with everything. Lord, work on us, work on our hearts. Lord, loosen our grip on our own um, wants and desires to control ourselves and our own security lord lord let our safety and security rest in you jesus let our safety and security rest in you 
you who work all things together for our good. Lord Jesus, will you come? Lord, loosen their grip, Lord, and open our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can sit down. Um, just a, a few practical things. We've got, if you are start, have been coming recently, um, or have you started to give recently, and you are a taxpayer, then I have some gift aid forms. If you are a taxpayer and you are giving, then it's really helpful for us to know, um, because we can claim the tax back, and that is a big help to the church. Um, and also, if you want to give um, online, I have the bank details as well, which is a really, for me, that's what works best for me, a really practical way to do that, and you can, do, it's easy to do once you set it up, just and honestly, give God a chance to break into your finances. If you are um, struggling financially, we're not expecting you to give your 10% and you'll be in trouble. No, just give something. If you're struggling, come and speak to myself or Adam or Malcolm. We want to help you. This is not something we're cracking the whip saying you have to give. We're just saying God wants your heart on this and he can help you and we can help you too. Amen?